0: Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Uh, if you got your Bibles, would you grab them and go to Acts chapter 10? Uh, we're going to continue in our series that uh, we're calling Revolution. And um, if, if you're new to the series, here's what we've been seeing. Uh, God's on the move. Uh, He has been on the move. Jesus literally is on the move. He ascended into heaven, uh, and uh, and he's he's charged his disciples with this great commission, and uh, the Spirit of God is on the move. Acts chapter 2, the Spirit coming on. Uh, The the disciples have the Spirit in them, uh, the indwelling, the seal of the Spirit, and now the Spirit is coming on them and empowering them for holiness and to accomplish the mission that they have been given. And uh, we've seen people's hearts being on the move, Uh, cut to the heart, thousands of people who are giving their life to Christ and following after Jesus Christ. And we're seeing the gospel in the book of Acts move from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. We see that in Acts chapter eight. And when we get to Acts chapter 10, what we're gonna see is this move of God that is going to be propelled to the ends of the earth. But before this move of God can be propelled to the ends of the earth, there are some hurdles that have to be, uh, to have to, that have to be they, we need to get over them, and, um, and so you're going to see that in Acts chapter 10, and, um, and, and, and Peter, he's going to be the central character in, in Acts chapter 10 and 11, and, and you know, Peter's made some mistakes in life, and getting over these hurdles, um, there's just a bit of a tension for him, and, he, and wanting to make the right decision, the right call, because uh, he knows his resume, just like, the whole world knows his resume now. And uh, so he, he's feeling some of this tension, and so he wants to see God move. And God's going to challenge him. And by the way, we want to see God move. We want to see our city be a city at peace with God. And so we, we want to bless a move of God. We want to see lost people being found. Uh, we got Easter in a, in a little over a month, and uh, we're, we're praying, and I hope you'll bring friends to, to our Easter services, and we're praying that people come to the cross, and they pound white ribbons on that cross, and they, uh, they leave the kingdom of darkness and enter the kingdom of light. Uh, that would be fantastic. And, and we, we're praying for a move of God that prodigals will come running home. Uh, and in all that movement, we don't want to get in the way. And um, what we're going to do is we see Acts 10 and 11 here in the time we got left. We're going to answer this question. Uh, how does someone get in the way of a move of God? And Peter is going to be challenged in three specific ways, and he's going he's to get over these hurdles, but these are hurdles that you and I deal with on a regular basis, and we're going to have to get over these hurdles as well so that we don't get in the way of a move of God. So if you've got your Bibles, Acts chapter 10, verse 1, I'm going to pick up the story. I'm not going to read all of chapter 10 and 11. That would take a while. But I'm going to encourage you uh, to take some time later today to read these two chapters because they're pretty pretty amazing. Um, Acts 10, verse 1, it says, In Caesarea there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, He had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, he asked the... Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now, send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner, who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Now, here's what happens. We got Cornelius, we got this angelic vision, send someone up to get Simon Peter, because he's got a message for you. Simon Peter is in Joppa. Now he's there in Joppa, he's on the rooftop. It's like noon, it's lunchtime. People are making some some lunch downstairs for him. He's praying on the rooftop. And as he's praying, this giant blanket or sheet comes down out of heaven. This is like an enormous picnic blanket, and it's got all kinds of animals on it, all kinds of food on it. And God says to Peter, Peter, take a kill and eat. And Peter's response is, Lord, never. I've never eaten anything that it isn't according to my custom. I've never eaten any unclean foods. And, um, and, and by the way, I mean, he's, he's, he's faced with all these. These are animals he's never seen. These are foods he's never seen before. And I don't know about you, but I like food and I like international food. You ever been to one of those Brazilian steakhouses where they got all this meat and you cut off all the meat? I mean, I'm not a carnivore. I love those Brazilian steakhouses and all that meat. I love, I love those Brazilian places. I love Indian food. When my family was living in Hong Kong, one of our favorite restaurants was a restaurant called Curry in a Hurry. And I, oh man, we love to go there after church. It's spicy food. You stay warm for three days. It was fantastic. Anybody here love sushi? Yeah, sushi's good. Anybody here like Kimchi. Uh, like three you do, okay. K- kimchi, if you don't know, kimchi is Korean. It's like cabbage that's soaked in battery acid. And it, uh, it, it definitely leaves a mark. Peter, I don't know if there's any kimchi in the blanket, but there's, Peter's got all these options, all this food coming before him. And uh, the first time he says, no, Lord, I would, I would never eat any unclean foods. And, and God says to him, do not call what is clean, unclean. Blanket goes back up into heaven. It comes down again. Same thing. All these animals take, kill, and eat. And Peter says, Lord, I've never eaten any unclean things. And God says, don't call what is clean unclean. Happens a third time. And when this vision is over, Peter's trying to figure out what is this about? What is this all about? Now, as he's trying to contemplate and get his head around what's happening with this blanket coming down, the doorbell is ringing because Cornelius, that little passage I read about, Cornelius and his personal attendants have showed up at this house in Joppa. And, and the Spirit of God speaks to Peter and says, Don't be afraid to go with these men. Uh, I've sent them. So Peter goes downstairs, he introduces himself. These the, the folks who came from Cornelius' household, uh, they are they spend the night. And the next day, Peter takes six of his friends and they go to Caesarea to meet with Cornelius. Um, they get there. I'm, I'm giving you the right Reader's Digest version. Read this story a little bit later. Um, but uh, Peter gets down to Cornelius' household, and Cornelius comes and meets with them. He falls to the ground, and Peter picks him up and says, I'm just a man like you. And um, Cornelius uh, explains this, this whole vision and invites him into his house. And Peter is faced with another challenge. He's faced with a challenge because he's not ever eaten any unclean foods, and as a Jew... Every good Jewish boy knows that you don't associate with Gentiles, which means you don't go into the house of a Gentile and you certainly don't eat with a Gentile. That, that's not permissible. So Peter, he, he, he's got this, this, these challenges and he kind of feels a little bit led here. He, he's trying to connect the dots. We've got the blankets coming down. We've got the angelic visitation for Cornelius and he's trying to connect the dots and he hasn't connected them yet. Um, but he goes, he takes the risk, and he does go into Cornelius' household, uh, into his house. And, and he begins sharing the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he's sharing, the Spirit of God comes on uh, in power upon the people who are listening. And this is like Acts 2 Revisited, the sequel, Acts 10. The Spirit of God comes, and now these people, these Gentiles in Cornelius' Cornelius' household, they are, are praising God and speaking in different languages and speaking in tongues. And, um, and Peter is blown away by this because he's never seen this before. He's never seen the Spirit. He's seen the Spirit come on Jewish people, but he's never seen the Spirit come on Gentiles. And so he's blown away and kind of in those, well, we got water so uh, let's, let's baptize. And by the way, this is the one time in Scripture that you will see that someone is baptized in the Spirit before they're baptized in the water. Uh, it, God, God has a way of interrupting our, our plans and the way things go, and He, he changes the order on Peter. And, um, and, and when this is all happening, and Peter has this aha moment, it's here that He connects the dots. Blankets with food and take and eat. And God's saying, don't call what is clean unclean. And he connects the dots and realizes God is not talking about food. He's talking about people. He's talking about don't call Gentiles unclean. And Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 35 actually capture this. It says, then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. The aha moment for Peter, this, this, this new revolutionary attitude that actually will cause the church to take a quantum leap into the, into the future and, and, and see the gospel go to the ends of the earth comes as Peter understands that actually that now that that God shows no favoritism and one of the hurdles that he has had to get over is this hurdle of prejudice. This is the first thing. What gets in the way of a move of God? Prejudices our stereotypes racism that that gets in the way of a move of God and God shows no favoritism and by the way friends you will see that cover to cover in scripture. Uh, Deuteronomy Chapter 10 says, Our God shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Second Chronicles, with the Lord our God, there is no injustice or partiality or bribe. Romans chapter 2, New Testament, our God does not show partiality. God has, he shows he has no favorites. He, he sees he loves all people. God so loved the world. And yet, oftentimes, what happens, what gets in the way of a move of God is our, our prejudice or our, our, our feelings about people who think differently than us or look differently than us and talk differently than us. And friends, this often shows up in some very ugly ways. It shows up in, in what uh, some people call, there's this unconscious bias towards other people. There's this stuff that kind of flows out of us, and we don't even know it's flowing out of us. And then there's conscious bias. And a conscious bias is it's a volitional and an unapologetic disdain or despising of a certain people group or a certain group of people who think a certain way. And, and, and that's the two ways that this prejudice shows up. Now, for example, on the conscious bias, this is what it looks like. It's, see, I hate, I despise the New England Patriots I hate the shoes they wear. I hate the ground they walk on. I hate the stadium they play in. I hate their uniforms, and I hate all five of their Lombardi trophies. I hate the New England Patriots. It's a conscious, volitional, unapologetic feeling towards a people group. Now. In the sports realm, we kind of get that and we laugh and, like, because we, you know, we have our different rivalries and all of that. But when it, when it starts to get actually in between peoples of different ethnicities, friends, this is the kind of stuff that's at the heart of wars and conflicts in human history. This is the kind of stuff that causes all kinds of heartbreak in families and in communities and cities and states and nations. And as a Christ follower, we must root this out. We must, we must root this out because there's no... You see, we cannot say as a... This unapologetic, this conscious bias, here's what it sounds like. I hate African Americans. I hate white people. I hate Asians. I can't despise... I mean, I despise Hispanics. I, I, I can't stand Democrats. I hate Republicans. I can't stand evangelicals. I don't like liberals. I can't stand people who are gay. I can't stand people who are straight. I, I hate Jews. I hate Palestinians. That kind of language betrays a conscious bias. And thoughtful people, as they look on our nation's history, and they see the genocide of our native peoples, and they see the oppression of African Americans in slavery, and they thoughtful people see this as a dark stain on our nation, and we work very hard to see that this would never, ever happen again. And that's because this is conscious bias and it causes so much pain, it causes so much hardship, and it cannot be tolerated because it gets in the way of God's heart because God shows no partiality. And friends, just make sure you're not confused. This is not a political issue. It's a gospel issue. It's a gospel issue. God shows no partiality. So our conscious bias has to be rooted out. There's no room for that in the family of God. And it will get in the way of the move of God. But, but the unconscious bias, see, that's harder to get your finger on. That's harder because that just come, kind of comes out of it. See, I make snap judgments. You probably don't have this problem, but I have this, I, I call it intuition. I see someone or I, I, I have this idea. I, yeah, it's, that's, a good, that's a bad idea. No, that, that person's this way or this person's this way. It's an unconscious bias. I don't even know I'm doing it. And it, researchers study this and they find it all the time. Uh, there's this, I think every two years there's this project that's done. They invite 12 CEOs uh, of a Fortune 500 company into a listening room. And they, uh, 11 of those CEOs are men and one is a woman. And when all 12 are in the room, they announce to the 12 that one of the CEOs could not make it but sent their assistant. And then they ask the question offline, who do you think the assistant is? 90% of the CEOs... Say, it's the woman. It's an unconscious bias that a woman wouldn't be a CEO. Or take hospitals. Emergency rooms have been studied, and what they found in emergency rooms is that Caucasian patients with their injuries come in and they actually get more medication for their injuries than do African Americans and Hispanics. When medical personnel were told this, they were livid and demanded that that research be done again just to make sure. They just couldn't believe it. It was done again with the exact same results. HR directors who are supposed to be the champions of diversity have been studied. And what's been found is that HR directors will end an interview with someone who's Hispanic or African-American 25% of the time quicker than than they would with a Caucasian. It's an unconscious bias. We don't even know we're doing it. I I went online and took an assessment for myself to see kind of where I'm at, and what I discovered is I have a low-grade unconscious bias within me, and I've gotta root it out. I have to because I'm making judgments about people and about ideas, and, um, and I always think I'm right. I've, I've got this problem, and here's the deal. You do too. And so part of the issue of getting over this hurdle of prejudice is simply being self-aware, understanding that as a Christ follower, this, in, this, this prejudice, this racism must be rooted out for the sake of the body of Christ and for the sake of God's movement as he seeks to accomplish his will, may, that we might be an echo of heaven. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have to root it out. And Peter, he gets over this hurdle. Jews don't hang out with Gentiles. Jews don't go in the house of a Gentile. Jews don't eat with Gentiles. Yet Peter, he, he's connected the dots. Oh, the blank... I see that God shows no favoritism. May we as his people see that the same way. Here's the second thing we need to to understand uh, that gets in the way. It's this, preconceived notions about how God can and must work. See, this is fascinating because Peter, uh, in in chapter 10, towards the end of the chapter, uh, I think it's verse 45, it says, The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed... That the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. Which tells you what they were thinking. That the gift of the Spirit was only for Jews. And here Peter is speaking. He's sharing this message. And the Spirit comes and they're blown away. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute here. The Gentiles get the promise as well of the Spirit? They're blown away by this. Which means they had a preconceived notion that this this gift of the Spirit was only for Jewish people. And, And now... That's typically not something that we would struggle with because we're Gentiles, right? Most of us are probably. Um, and yet we have, we have ideas. We have strong notions. We have very strong notions. We have very, very strong ideas about how God will and can work. But see, our, our struggle is we live in, a, in a, a, natural, a, a culture that values naturalism, a culture that is science-based, and, and whatever happens has to make sense to us. So what happens is that when things in the spirit realm that actually transcend the physical realm, we struggle with this. And what we do is we, we call it discernment, but it's not discernment. Our discernment levels have actually lowered to the level of our comfort zones. So that when something happens that's uncomfortable, we we're tempted to say, that can't be God. I can't be And the reason that is, the reason we're saying that is because we live in a we live in this culture of naturalism and, and science, and it has to make sense to us. And if it can't make sense to us, then it's not of God. And Peter, he doesn't do any of that because he has a healthy understanding of the spiritual role. And by the way, Western, Western discipleship models are, are, are very weak in, in developing the spiritual senses. Let me explain this. Acts 14, verse 9, Paul, he's, he's been converted. We talked about that last week. He's on mission, and he's going through town, and he sees a lame man, and it says that he sees that the man has faith to be healed. How do you see that a man has faith to be healed? It's discernment. It's a spiritual gifting. But in Western discipleship models, th- this is an area we're not, we're not used to, these currents we're not used to swimming in. So the, seeing faith, this is a spiritual sense that must be developed because we do need discernment. We, we, yes, our comfort zones will be challenged when God's on the move, but we need discernment. And three great questions to ask is, is does it match the word of Christ? Does it match the, because the, the, we come under the word. Does it match God's word? Uh, is it given in the spirit of Christ? Is this someone just exalting their own eagle or is Jesus being exalted? And is there fruit? What's the fruit of this? Uh, uh, the father of a friend of mine said, I don't care how expressive you are in church or how high you jump in church, I wanna see you walk a straight line during the week. He's talking about fruit, bless you. He's talking about fruit and, the, see, here's the thing, is it match the word of Christ? Is it given in the spirit of Christ? And there, is there the fruit of the spirit? See, those are three great questions to ask when you're trying to discern something that is challenging your comfort zone. We cannot let our comfort zones be our discernment zone. Okay? So hurdle number one, our prejudice. Hurdle number two is our preconceived notions about how God works. And hurdle number three is good old legalism. Legalism, I'll read here in chapter 11, the the response here, because here's what's going to go on. Peter is going to go back to Jerusalem, and the people in Jerusalem are not going to be very happy about this experience. Uh, Acts chapter one, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, says, Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. You broke the rules. We don't do that like, we, we, don't, we don't behave like that. We don't dress like that. We don't eat like that. See, legalism, and how you can identify legalism, is it's anything that undermines the all-sufficient work of Jesus Christ on the cross. See, when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he declared, it is finished. The price has been paid. The work has been done. Yet there's something in us that wants to just... Add some layers. Yep, yep. It's the, 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 the only way to, to heaven is through Christ. And yep, there's a, here's some of the things you need to know that, that you know this this will make you righteous. And that, that's called legalism. And these Jewish believers are saying, you broke the rules. If you you're not pleasing God. And legalism, this is what the Pharisees did. They took the law and added extra laws, and we're we're guilty of doing the same thing. We add layers in. And, um, and it can get in the, in the way of a move of God. Now, God's going to keep on doing what he wants to do, but he often has to use other people. And Peter, he sees, Peter's connecting the dots. The blanket is coming down. What's this about food? Well, it's not about food, people. P- Peter. It's about people. Don't call what is clean unclean, for God shows no favoritism. And Peter he gets over every one of those hurdles. He gets over prejudice. He gets over his preconceived notions. And in Acts chapter 11, as he's confronted with legalism, he just tells his story. Guys, gals, here, here's what happened. I mean, I, an angel visited Cornelius. I saw this blanket. I go down. I start preaching. The Spirit of God comes in power. I start connecting the dots. We baptize people. We couldn't help it. God just, God did it. And, and I was there. Yeah, I was there. And the, and the people respond with grace. And they realize that God is on the move as well. And they will not let legalism get in the way. Because verse, uh, verse 17 and 18 of chapter 11 says, And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? God's on the move. Peter's talking. Verse 18, when the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Interesting to note that there's a privilege of receiving eternal life, but there's also the privilege of repenting, which actually helps us sort of land our time together because here's the question I want to leave with you. There's a lot of ways you can apply this message, but let's just hone it down to one thing. I'll put it in the form of a question. Who's your Gentile? Who are the people that you look at and you see as less than or you see as inferior or you just despise them because of the way they think? Who's your Gentile? And once you are able to identify who your Gentile might be, then what you need to understand is you have been given a privilege. It is the privilege of repentance. And so it's repenting of that Conscious or unconscious bias toward people. Because God's on the move. And He's reaching people. And I know your heart, and I know my heart longs for this to happen among us. So we can't let prejudice, we can't let preconceived notions or ideas about how God works, and we certainly can't let legalism get in the way of what God wants to accomplish among us. Let's pray about that. So, Lord, We're grateful today to witness baptisms. This story is about baptisms. People turning to you. And so we, I just thank you for each and every one of those stories. I thank you for this story. And we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to continue to pour yourself out. We give you full permission to interrupt, to astonish us and to accomplish your purposes in our midst. Jesus, we ask that you would make a great name for yourself among us and through us. May we be a people who are in sync with you. Holy Spirit, may we be a people who are empowered and in step with you. Come, have your way among us. We pray this in your name, amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers@salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.